Welcome to Recommending the Daily Dose. I am your host, Dr. Clinton Coleman, along my esteemed colleague, Dr. Surad Sugger. We have a very special guest today. But before we introduce yeah. our amazing guest, I just want to let you know that I missed you. Are you you, were, you were away. I was away for a little bit. I was studying. studying. I was working. And yeah. uh, I really uh, i am happy that I, I impact you in that way. But while you were gone, I came up with this idea for a, a movie. Oh, here we go. Let's hear it. Let's hear right, it. So the, um, I, I already got the rights to it already. So... It involves a, a nurse. She works at a hospital, right? So, so a very beautiful nurse. Beautiful right? nurse, yes. Very talented, yes. very smart, right? Yes, yes. She takes care of patients lovely. Yeah. Uh, she also sings, so she's an inspiring singer. Ah. Um, you know, she goes through some trials and tribulations, um, but at comes the out end, the other comes the out side. the other end. So, yeah. So, um, you know, that's a great story. I think. What do you think? I would. I think it's a story that uh, I wish we could uh, talk about more, even today. It's actually true. You're listening to Recommended Daily Dose with Drs. Clinton Coleman and Suraj Sugar, the not-so-average health show with a unique spin on what's making headlines in healthcare. So our guest, Felicia Temple, is here. Ah, dreams do come true. Right, right, right. Dreams do come true. <laughs> so she has an amazing story. She is a singer and songwriter. She's got some albums out, Balancing Act, right, and Bedroom Chronicles. Yes, I'm not going to ask hello. you what that's about. Thank you I'm for on. having me. But she's me. also been on The Voice, <laughs> the show The Voice. You've heard of that, right? I have, and right, I watched right. it, absolutely. My and wife's think, a big fan. And I think the most interesting part of this, um, her journey, is she overcame uh, a rare cancer in the process. And, you know, she's here today to discuss know her her story and you and know basically both sides of the healthcare provider as a nurse as well as a patient and everything in between so so you think I can welcome. get the rights to the movie thank you <laughs> seriously I think NBC owns those rights already <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah yeah they already own the rights to my life story so oh, think you're they, too late. Think they too beat late. you to the punch oh. back to drawing board wow. we're gonna have to keep seeing patients so when did you I want when did you first start singing so. I have been singing since before I could talk. Like really? I was humming on key. My dad said it was very strange. Like I was in the car seat and you could hear me humming along on key. Is that genetic? You come from a musical family? Everybody or? in my family does some kind of music. Wow. Oh, that's wonderful, yeah. Yeah. My aunt and uncle were the first artists ever signed to Jive Records. Like ever. Wow. Yeah. Is that Sugar Hill Gang? Oh, no. Those are my uncles. Okay. And that's like really close family friends. My dad's been touring with okay. them for 25 years. Mm. So like everybody does something. My wow. grandmother was a voice teacher, cabaret singer. Amazing. I still have her cabaret license from the 60s in New York. No, my yeah. plan was to have a, a singing contest like <laughs> on air. Well, just like Felicia's saying, how it runs in the family and ours, it, you know, it just nothing. It skipped. We got zero, nothing. nothing. No, I yeah. all got my looks. That's bathroom it. singer. Yeah, well, bathroom singer and my looks. I do. I sing Home. well in the, in the shower. Yeah. The I acoustics actually, help you out. Yeah. Okay, okay. In the car, too. I wasn't <laughs> a bad bebopper uh, in middle school, but that's, 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 we'll save that for a different day. It's really about Felicia today. It, and your, your story about how you got on The Voice is really interesting, not, be, not only because of, you know, being on The Voice is such an amazing experience, but, you know, the process and, you know... You know, tell us what where you were when they called and how that how'd you get on the show? So TV is is a very interesting land. Right. Um, I was never interested in doing a TV show, only because years prior I had tried out. I think maybe it was the X Factor or something. One of those cattle calls with like thousands of people, the Prudential Center, and I was thinking to myself, oh, I can sing. So these initial auditions will be like the easiest ones. Maybe right. like later on they'll cut me. And I remember there was somebody in front of me in like 
a costume and I could hear them and they sounded terrible and they were like you're in and I was like okay this is gonna be like really easy and I went and the lady was like you are amazing but like not for this show and I was like so what is this so I was like okay obviously this isn't for me and I never looked it wasn't about the singing I never looked to do it ever again so I was living a really weird double life here at Holy Name, people who knew me from when I worked here in college and I worked in the ER knew that I sang, but none of my coworkers on same day, pack you endo, nobody knew that I sang. And I kept my life separate. I was putting out music. I had a whole separate life outside of here. And when I would travel for music, I would tell them that I was going on vacation. So they just thought I was this young girl that took a lot of vacations. Right. And um, they called me from the voice casting and they said, we've already casted the season. You know, we already did the open calls. We already have everybody that we want. We'll fly you straight to L.A. And I actually said, no, thank you. What? And then they called again. And I said, no, seriously, not only do I not want to do it, I'm on chemo. Oh. And they were like, excuse me? So, of course, they want to know more about right, that, that story. story. Yeah. And, of course, it becomes very lucrative for television. And it's like, right. oh, well, how do you look? Oh, Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's see if we like. What can we do to get you here? Right. Right. And my dad was like, "I mean, you're almost done with your treatment. What do you have to lose?" But that was the least thing on your mind, probably at that point. I yeah. I really had no interest in in doing it. So when we back up for a second, when you said you're on chemo, talk a little bit, if you don't mind. Just uh, you know, you're working as a nurse. You're in the healthcare field. You're a provider. But what was it like being on on the op on the receiving end, so to speak, on the other side of the bed? It's interesting because as healthcare providers, we always tend to diagnose ourselves. So I was working on my unit for I don't know how many months with like ongoing stomach pains. Everybody's saying, oh, maybe it's your gallbladder. Oh, maybe it's your appendix. Everybody's trying to figure out what exactly it is that's wrong. I'm saying, oh, I'm eating the wrong foods. I'm fine. And finally, one night I gave in and went to the emergency room and the way I was diagnosed was even so bizarre because none of my tests indicated anything. Right. And my blood work, everything was fine. They came back 45 minutes later after my CAT scan and said, oh, you have an early appendicitis. They said, oh, it's early. We'll take it out. No big deal. I said, okay. Waited for surgery the next morning. I was the ideal patient. I went home. No issues. That was a Wednesday. Right. And I got a phone call that Monday. The pathology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That the pathology came back. Uh, like classic, like a movie. Are you sitting down? Well, it wasn't an appendicitis. It's actually a cancer called uh, carcinoid cancer. So if, if people don't know, carcinoid is these rare, I guess, neuroendocrine tumors, right? right? Correct. So uh, commonly people, they secrete hormones, and commonly people have other symptoms. Other symptoms. Did you have any of the, the carcinoid syndrome, like the flushing or the stomach? Like- I, I never had the flushing or the diarrhea. Yeah. Um, but now that I've gotten more involved in this and I go to conferences and right. I've talked to so many other people with yeah. it, I've realized that other symptoms that I had were more indicative. Um, when I run or when I exercise, I itch from head to toe because these tumors can also secrete histamine. Histamine, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. And I had no idea, and I've been feeling this way since high school. Wow. Mm. Had no idea why one mm. day I was walking to school and got itchy from head to toe. Right. And nobody could ever tell me why I had, um, at one point, the doctor thought I had Raynaud's, my fingers, you Get know, cold, they right. turned blue. blue they t- yeah, yeah. You know, all of these weird symptoms that nobody could ever explain. And my sister used to say, you should go to one of those rare disease doctors. Something's really wrong with right. you. It used to be like the family joke. The Dr. And House type of thing. There really yeah. was something wrong something with you. Something 
that nobody could have ever imagined. But I think that that's alludes to the point that you have to be your own advocate, right? Because yeah. people otherwise oftentimes may not take you seriously, especially someone who's otherwise young, healthy. Hey, you're just it's stress, it's a depression, it's this. You know, the people sometimes will not necessarily take if it's not straightforward. Uh, uh, take it seriously or seriously enough. So you Especially really to... women with stomach pain because mm. a lot of people, I've had people tell me, oh, it's like women, women problems. Right. You right. women always have something wrong with your stomach. Yeah, right, right. You and, know? And, you know, the healthcare professions unfortunately had to play the numbers game, right? So most common things happen most commonly. So A- absolutely right. they're probably not thinking that you have carcinoids. So they, you know, most commonly people do have. And 999 out of 1,000, it would be something else. But this was but the it's case a testament to knowing your body. Right. So how has this changed you as far as, you know, as far as your health? You know, like, are you more particular about things or? I definitely, I was always somebody who crossed all my T's and dotted all right. my I's, but I'm not, I, I, I hated the idea of being sick, yeah. and I don't like to bother doctors or anybody, you know, if something's not really necessary, right, but right. I go for all my follow-ups, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do, um, but I didn't want to let having cancer become my identity. Right. I find, especially within the group uh, mm. of people who have the same disease that I have, um, and with anything, diabetes, you've got lupus, you've got leukemia, some people, it becomes their identity, and they almost wouldn't know what to do if they were cured. It becomes who they are and everything about them, and I just wanted to be done with it. I wanted to be healthy, so I don't let it consume me. And now you're cancer-free. I am. Life goes on. So what are you doing now as far as, I know your, your music is in stores. Yes, my iTunes, music is everywhere. Spotify. Yeah, our, a good thing is I always kept the ball rolling. Oh, good. So I, I released a project in 2014, which was The Bedroom Chronicles. Uh, and then in 2017, after The Voice, I released The Balance I'm trying to calculate the ages of my children. See if yeah. Was that. <laughs> that playing in the background? Is that possible? No. No. <laughs> Hey, this, yeah. is a, this is a uh, family show. Right. Let's yeah. keep going. So the Balancing Act uh, <laughs> was in 2017, and the Balancing Act was what I wrote while I was sick. Okay. Because I'll... I couldn't really sing. I couldn't really do much. So I decided to write. So was that, that title, The Balancing Act, that's, that's reflective of what you were going through at that time? That's... Yes, because I was on chemo. Mm. I was still trying to figure out. The sad part about it was I was so worried about my music that I was like, ah, Surgery, you want hemicolectomy? I don't have time for this. I was supposed to go to Russia. Right, right. And I really had to say, okay, if I don't take care of myself, I can't do anything else. Right. So everything had to pause. So I was trying to manage being a nurse. So you're working throughout this all. I worked the entire time. And some people that I worked with didn't even know what was going on Mm. because I was on oral chemo. I didn't lose my hair. Right. And I had met who's now my husband, at the time. So everything was going on at the same time. Everybody has something that they're balancing. Yeah, it's so true. You know, when we see patients, we see other people, you never know what they're going through and what struggles they're dealing with every day. That's incredible. Um, but how did it change you as a nurse, would you say? Do you think it made you a better nurse, has made you a better nurse? For sure. Yeah. Getting diagnosed with cancer changed the way that I interact with my patients and it was not only the cancer, it was the surgery. See, I'm a same-day surgery nurse. I've mm. been working in periop for uh, eight years, and I had never had surgery before my appendix. So I would watch people cry when they go into surgery. Every day, this is the same thing. Right. And you don't really understand people's fears and anxieties and what they're going through when they're about to lose a body part, right. whether it's a breast or an arm or a finger or whatever mm. else that's going on. And 
going in to surgery, I remember when I was getting my hemicolectomy, like trying to fight back the tears. And I'm thinking like, nobody's even going to know that this is, that this part of me is gone, but I know. Right. And I'm almost offended that I have to lose a a body part. I was upset about it. And coming back to work, it's helped me. You know, when I see people upset, I'm like, You hey, understand where they're coming from. You know? I get it. You know, yeah, you see yeah. somebody getting diagnosed with cancer. I think part of its rarity is that it's the, the symptoms are so subclinical, meaning that... You or know, vague, right? Or they vague. Can, yeah, exactly. Um, so it may be more common, you know, than we, than we appreciate. And shout out to Dr. Condemi, because he's who I always call. Right. Because he's who treated me in-house, and I felt very fortunate that I worked here, and that we not only had Dr. Condemi, who sees he's, he's, over... One of the biggest, I think, providers yeah. of carcinoma, right? It's a specialty. Over yeah. like 300 of them or something Wow! Uh, in the area. People come from all over to see him. And right. then it was my luck that we did the gallium study. Mm. Um, and we ended up getting the machine. And people were flying in from all over to get that special scan. It's like scan. It's like the new gold standard. So uh, it's all divine. It happened while like you that, were It he, was yeah, right at here. At the hospital where you work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Divine. I like that. Thank you. You were very deep, so you're not superficial. It's like at I have all. one of the rarest cancers, and yeah. this place of all places has exactly what I need. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. I mean, and now you're giving back as a nurse and so much more. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, uh, we have to empathize always, right? You can't, it won't be helpful if a doctor or a nurse is just crying along with the patient, but you can't lose that well, humanity. You cry, I see you cry with patients all the time. I cry. You make me cry sometimes, <laughs> actually. We're not going to get into It's like that walking today. down the hall crying. Oh. About a petri dish. Or something. Well, I mean, the, the those bacteria is, are very mean. Once you get diagnosed, it's <laughs> it's you become a you don't want to, but you almost become a forever patient because you're bound to. Right. However often you're going back to the oncologist, like for me now, I'm on once a year. Like this is Thank my goodness. first right. once a year. Yeah. But I still have to go back and get two MRIs and probably thirty tubes of blood, and that's every year, and that'll keep you humble. Right. You know, all year long, you're you know you're walking around, you're the healthcare provider, and now. I'll be on the other end. I like that, keeping humble. I mean, I yeah. think we all need to stay humble. Uh, and I think yeah. um, we probably see ourselves as, you know, knowing too much or indefensible. So, you know, sometimes healthcare providers make the worst patients, right? I I barely see a doctor, you know. <laughs> I don't, I've actually, I have never seen a doctor. You should see the way this guy eats. He pretends to eat healthy just before the, our previous podcast. I had salad podcast. for lunch. It's the first with, time I've seen it. cheese and walnuts. You had a hot dog last time I saw it. We had lunch together. Oh my! Yeah, with the, with the cheddar cheese and the you know the chili on top. Oh my! So, are you? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's talk about some more fun it. stuff, shall we? You know, let's, tell so us more about uh, the singing. We want to sing, yes, and then the famous people and all the so glamour. You have a project fun. coming up, or you're working on something? I am always working on mm. stuff. Um, I'm per diem here at the hospital. Okay. So I live the coolest double life ever. Excellent. Uh, I clock out of here and I run from place to place. I hop on planes constantly. I was in LA last week and I had a show there and wow. studio sessions and photo shoots and interviews. I'm available for background singing. Yeah. <laughs> I can be your your, your physician, the tour physician. How about that? <laughs> Get us out of here too. You can be Come a bodyguard. <laughs> you need a bodyguard. A one hundred eighty oh, pound. Uh, one eighty five actually. Sorry. Yeah, I've been bodyguard. doing. I've, I've been doing dumbbells lately, um, but. With home base? I mean, we're talking about where you're flying around. Home base is well. Home base is here in Teaneck, New Jersey. Teaneck, I'm a yeah. diehard Teaneck girl. I went to Thomas Jefferson Middle School across the street. I went to Teaneck High, oh, and yeah. I worked so you, here from college on. I left for a couple of years, and I came back. Like I'm a holy name Teaneck girl. So where did you start in college? You said 
I went to Felician. Oh, you went to Felician. And yeah. you said you started here uh, right, right from there. You never went anywhere No, else. I worked here while I was in college. I worked in the ER. Oh, in the ER, yeah. Mm-hmm. For two out of my four years of college. I don't think my I last have two more years. of a homegrown talent than that. She's a hard worker. My goodness. Worked through cancer, everything. You know, if the thing is, when you do this for a living and you work in the hospital and you get sick, I didn't feel like I didn't lose my hair. I didn't look emaciated. I wasn't right. like, you know, falling apart, at least to me. And I felt like I didn't deserve, I didn't have the right to feel bad for myself right. or say, oh, I'm so sick. Feel bad right. for me. Because what I see on a daily basis, exactly. if I'm able right. to come to work and mm. clock in and smile, I'm okay. Yeah. That was how I felt. I don't have the right to complain. That puts that perspective. That's fantastic. Yeah, I, uh, I try to smile every day. You you mope actually when you walk mope, around. You yeah, mope a little. You know, like, I'm a moper. Where's that Dr. Snoop Dogg walking around the, around the hospital? Uh. Well, you are <laughs> truly are an inspiration. Not you. Not me. No. Felicia, you are an inspiration. <laughs> well, thank you. So I, you know, you should write a book. I don't know if NBC has those rights, but I'll I'll be no, happy to go in. They don't have the rights to that. I'll, oh, I'll go in. We'll be happy and ghostwrite it for you. I'm sure if I get like Beyonce money, I can win the rights back to B, my story. Are you listening, story. Queen Bee? That's right. But uh, you know, <laughs> for now they own they own it. So where can people, where can listeners find you, and where can they purchase your music and listen to your music? You it's really good, by the way. I, I've listened personally. Thank you. Well, you can uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Felicia Temple, F-E-L-I-C-I-A-T-E-M-P-L-E, on Facebook at Felicia Temple Music, uh, FeliciaTemple.com. And all of my music is available on Apple Music, Spotify, Tidal, Google Play, Amazon, Pandora, Shazam, anywhere you can get music, you can find my music, support and love indie music, because the balancing act I wrote and produced entirely with all live instrumentation. So it's hard work. Incredible. Yeah. I was on the background vocals, too. <laughs> Were you? If you listen. <laughs> way, 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 way in the back. Way Some guy, back. Some guy mumbling? Is that, was that That's me. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> Felicia, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. Truly inspiration for us, the listeners, the whole Holy Name family. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And for us, it's uh, your co-host, Dr. Surad Sugger, Clinton Coleman. Background vocalist extraordinaire. <laughs> See you next time. Take care. Check out recent episodes and learn more about these two modern medicine men and their podcast at holynameorg slash recommended daily dose.